Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. You're listening to Star Wars Sessions with Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is where the fun begins. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy, and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. It's the show where Star Wars, absolutely nothing but Star Wars, is the subject. My name is still Matt Hudson, aka Jabba the Hud. And joining me once more in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon is the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there. Newly named, thanks to the Mandalorian images that dropped this week, it's Bly G11 himself. Oh, Bly G11. I will take that. Good man. I will take that all day long. Mate, dude, I am looking forward to some Mandalorian. The more I think about it, oh, dude, cannot wait. Like Those images that dropped looked... The bomb. But um, I, I, I think in future we're going to have a pre-Mando show, and I can't wait for that. So, uh, yeah, how, oh, how, how, how on earth are you doing, man? Dude, I'm I'm really good. I've had a grand weekend, awesome. proper good weekend. We we actually, instead of going up to the Midlands, where my missus is from, we had my missus family down oh, nice. from the Midlands for the weekend, which was gorgeous. So, I kid you not, I had a real Anakin and Palpatine moment <laughs> on Saturday night. Because I only went to the opera at the <laughs> Royal Opera House in London, didn't I? Which was class. So the marriage of Figaro. He says that, but it was the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. No, course. I didn't a... want to let on to it too much. No, no, I'm sorry, guys. I've, I've released a cat out of the bag there. That's a very sophisticated yeah. way to spend a, a week, a Saturday evening. Dude, it was quality. And literally, like, even yesterday, Sunday, we were, we were like, we went to uh, Dedham in North Essex and yep. went on the, some boats and stuff and went did a bit of rowing. And also, for those of you guys who follow me personally on Instagram, you might have seen a video of some cows ruining a picnic. And I one in the lake not. as well. Yeah, and one just sitting in the lake. It was quality. <laughs> it was absolute quality. How about you, man? Was your weekend good? Oh, man, I was under the weather this weekend. I've had a, I've had a, th- a sore throat all weekend and it's still here now, but... Um, I caught oh, up on some movies. I was coerced into finally watching Stranger Things. I've watched the first few episodes oh. now of season one. And um, I watched The Last Jedi again last night, and it gets better with every viewing. But, um, yeah. It's so good, isn't it? It's so good. It's a good thing that we talk about The Last Jedi, because uh, I think that ties into the whole point of this podcast. I think it does. I think it does. I think, that re- I think that's got to be one of the smoothest transitions <laughs> of our intro, me and you catching up with each other. I think to, so. to the news, right? Yeah, I think that's next week be we'll watch Rogue One and then so on and so forth. Yeah, it's going to be spicy. Anyway, but that does actually... Matt mentioned The Last Jedi. Um, and our girl, the only one in the whole wide world that can nick the Skywalker lightsaber, and we still love her, yeah. is Daisy Ridley. Ooh. She thinks that The Last Jedi Backlash was fair that's in the news and uh the gist of the story is basically she totally understands that there's some of the fan base um that expected luke skywalker in particular but also the story in general to go in a certain direction and she says with with a uh, franchise uh this big and it's meaningful to so many people. You know, it's bound to upset some people. It's bound to, you know, maybe not go how you expected, right? 
And yeah, yeah. that's exactly what The Last Jedi did for a lot of people. And Daisy Ridley said this this was fair enough, you know. But she did also say that when it comes to filmmaking and, and stuff like that, you know, there is an, a, a certain amount of art to it and art, artistic direction is warranted and that's just as fair as well, you know. And that's kind of like hinting at Ryan Johnson and the way he took the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you know what? I take my hat off to the girl. That was a very, very fair and a diplomatic way of putting it. And I think actually a lot of people are really impressed with her. You took the word out of my mouth because I was going to say that her reaction or her answer was fair. She's not saying one or the other, look, you're an idiot for not liking it or why are you liking it for? It's a case of it's not going to work for everybody because it's one man's vision and people love this franchise. So there's always going to be a uh, divisive nature, whatever you um, whatever gets released. So in that sense, it's fair that some people didn't like it. And I think, um, yeah, a lot of the headlines are running with um, the, the, a slightly negative spin on this, saying Daisy Ridley yeah. agrees with backlash, which is clearly not true. But I think I think what she said there is is, is spot on. I think she spoke to uh, USA Today about it. So, um, but she's always we we've said this in the last two or three shows now. But she's always so balanced with what she said she she sounds like somebody who thinks about what she says without scripting it too much if that makes any sense she always yeah, just comes yeah. out without any hoopla without any rubbish and just says this is how it is and you know i love daisy ridley yeah i i think she's fantastic she she really is she seems to be very level-headed when it comes to being in star wars you know because it's a big deal um but also i in, in particular she said or she was asked um are there any episode nine fan theories that her daisy ridley (laughs) found particularly amusing and daisy actually said uh something saying i haven't seen much this time but last time i found it pretty hilarious because people were talking about time travel and that kylo ren was a baby (laughs) it was nuts a baby really the one (laughs) the one thing with skywalker was my agent's son said I bet you the title is going to be blue. And I was like, how do you know that? Well, come on, Daisy. I think we all kind of <laughs> guessed it would be blue. If Kylo's green. a baby in this new film, she's got a lot to answer for. For sure. I, mate, if Kylo isn't turning up as as a baby, or if there ain't going to be like a force baby involved, a Raylo <laughs> force baby involved, I am storming out that cinema. I want to see a force Skype again. No, I don't want him to wear a cowl. I just want Kylo in a nappy. Just to prove yeah. this guy's a better yeah. baby. Just to prove, just to prove, Matt, how buff Kylo <laughs> is. Exactly. Right? How That's peng it. that man is. Enough said. Oh, pengaleng. That's it. Enough <laughs> said. Enough said. But there we go. So, yeah, Daisy working her charm, as always, uh, with USA Today. She, she's certainly been working it for the last few weeks as well, because um, the next story, Daisy also says she considered quitting Star Wars early in the production of The Force Awakens, and then she saw how thick Ben Solo was and stayed on. Oh, that's, my, that's just my <laughs> mental image. No, um, Daisy Ridley, she came out and uh, she spoke to the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, very good movie podcast with Josh Horowitz, and she basically came out and said, uh, he asked, you know, how was it, you know, going on to the set of The Force Awakens? She essentially said, I hated it. I hated it. So, um, handily, we've assembled a, a, a minute and a half, two minutes worth of the audio footage from that podcast so uh, uh as palpatine would say let's roll it again did you feel those first days on set was it was there imposter syndrome was there like i'm gonna get oh, fired was no, there... it's pretty hard 
it was really scary. I felt just sick and I didn't really know anyone yet and it takes me a really long time to settle down with people. And I do remember being behind the speeder and there was loads of people there and somebody had an umbrella over me. And even that, you're like, oh, someone's holding an umbrella over you? Okay. And I remember thinking, I, I can't do it. Like, I can't do it. This, this is not right. Do you confide, confide that to anybody at the time or are you holding that in? The, I think it was Steph who was the AD. I was saying it, but obviously also people don't really know what to say because what do you say to that? And like me and JJ hadn't quite got our vibe. Like the amazing thing about this is JJ would start saying something and I'd be like, I know exactly what you mean. Right. Like just that amazing thing. But even my mum at the premiere of Force Awakens went, I mean, she goes, I'm nervous, but there must be, you know, a reason why they, why they cast you. It's like, <laughs> Thanks, mum. Yeah, yeah. And it's still sort of carried on. I feel a lot more competent now, which comes with, I think, like, you know, I'm through my early 20s and also being surrounded by people that make you feel really loved and great. Yeah. Um, I feel more confident in my work and all of that stuff. I really do. And also, we have a great fight, a great fight. And I was really happy that the Vanity Fair pictures did show a bit of it. Yeah. Um, it's a great fight. <laughs> Like, I've become such a better fighter. And they made the lightsabers lighter. So, you know, it actually looks like we're swinging light and not, like, heavy, heavy. Um, have you seen a cut of that at all? Have you seen a little bit of what that looks like? I have. Because, I mean... I have. This fight we did, um, it was November. We were had water being thrown at us. And I got a great deal of respect because I did not... I was like, I'm not going to complain about the cold. I'm just not going to do it. So it was like a real thing of stamina. And it just felt... It feels really epic, and it felt epic even at the time. So I thought, well, imagine, you know, we yeah. had the waves like this, and then they're going to make the waves, I'm sure, bigger. <laughs> so one can only imagine what it's going to look like. Okay, fine, I will see the movie. I was on the fence, fine, but... Fine, okay. <laughs> but now you've sold it. Yeah. Name then. Mm. So now the new theory is... Please comment on this, Daisy. Mm. The Rise of Skywalker is not about a particular person. Mm. Skywalker represents an, an evolution of the Jedi Order. Care to comment? Okay. I mean, yeah, that sounds like a great thing. What do you think? The more I, 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 I listen to that argument, yeah. that makes sense to me. <clears throat> I mean, and JJ, I think, did sort of say as much, right? He said it represents a lot of different things. Right. It's interesting because he told me the title and I was like, oh, because he'd sort of been throwing around things when we were filming. And then he told me when I went to LA and saw the just before Chicago, and saw the um, trailer. And I was like, oh, okay. So it kind of made sense to you the more you thought about it? Like, yeah, or... but even John and people were like, oh, <laughs> it was... It w I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't what I was expecting. Interesting. And I would agree that it represents a lot of things. Yeah, I don't know. I think it will be one of those things that it's sort of the last few lines of the film and people are like ah yeah 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 i i think this is a really this is a really good interview it covered everything from the force awakens to ophelia to daisy as a person to what she's up to and her schedule it's really interesting it's a 45 minute chat but yeah she can she came out and basically the scope and scale of the force awakens nearly caused her to quit she fell out of place and she struggled to feel comfortable with those around her. And it's JJ who got her settled in, which I think we know by now. But, I mean, her background before then was short films, indie films and cameos and TV uh, 
and music, Wiley music videos. So this would have been a massive culture <laughs> shock. Um, and also there are reports that her early takes were labelled wooden by JJ. Probably mm. wouldn't have helped mm. things mm. otherwise. And I sat down and spoke with Peter Hearn, who directed her in an indie horror film, Scrawl, which he spoke about. And he was, and he kind of gave his two cents on Daisy as a person and how he thought she was going to go. And because um, she mentions that she felt that the universe, she believed that in the universe that she was going to get this part. And um, Peter himself said that she felt he felt there was something. He felt that she was going to get it, and the way she was talking, and she was very cryptic in their tweets back and forth, one another before the casting. So interesting to hear. But um, you've heard this interview now on these clips. What did you think? Yeah, I think it's only you know fair for someone to feel like that. You know, this is one of the biggest and most historic film franchises of all time. Mm. And suddenly, you know, you like you said, you're going from doing music videos and some, you know, dodgy films. The bill. Um, I say that in jazz. But still, you know, <laughs> to to the biggest film of the decade, right, at that time. And, um, you know, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a really big deal. And to have that kind of on your, you know, on, on your on your mind, and in your shoulders, it's a lot. That is a lot to bear, you know. And I don't know. I I totally understand where she's coming from. And you know, that was probably reflected on her first few days of acting. You know, they yeah, said yeah. JJ said, you know, I need to loosen up a bit and stuff. Well, hey, you couldn't tell that in the Force Awakens because she was brilliant she in was. the force awakens from start to finish i uh, raised one of my favorite characters of the sequel trilogy in, in general um and and she did a terrific job so she she should be really pleased that she uh she did not quit i'm pleased she didn't quit as well um she said she's loosened up more she's more confident just from you know she's progressing through her 20s now she's got a couple of films under her belt but the but the how do i put this the spiciest part of the interview was when she confirmed, she, she said, oh yeah, me and Kylo have a great fight. And she oh. says, people are going to love the dynamic between Ray and Kylo. We've seen the picture from, uh, from Vanity Fair, which she name-checked. This sounds awesome, that we're going to get a wicked fight. Apparently the lightsabers are lighter, as she said, so they're able to swing them uh, a lot better now and a lot more, um, with a lot more fluidity. So, She's confirmed they're going to get a great fight. Ugh. Yeah, go on. Dude, it's going to be... Speechless. You know, there was that theory, or theory slash gossip, um, not that long ago, that the the fight was actually going to take place on, like, that every time the lightsabers clashed, mm. there'd be, like, a different planet or something. Yeah. It, was, it was all going to be very hippie-like, no. you know, a little bit like an acid dream yeah. or something. And, it sounds uh, awful. I but I, 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 it, it sounds dreadful. Um, <laughs> but... but I tell you what, I do think they're going to try and really wow us with this one. And just the fact that this early on, uh, you know, Daisy's saying they, they they have a great fight. You know, people are going to love the dynamic. You know, they've done something special here. They've done yeah. something special here. So, yeah, dude, I cannot wait to see what they've done with it. 
cannot wait. It's well, going to be so sick. If they end up force traveling around the galaxy in this weird pseudo, yeah, spicy naff way, fine. If if they can pull it off, I'm all up for it. But in my head, it's it was it, it's like Saturday morning cartoons a little bit. Right, right. It doesn't right. quite work for me. She also mentioned that the the title of the Rise of Skywalker kind of threw the cast off. In, uh, on first hearing it, but now when she's the more she sees of the film and the more she's known about it, she says it makes perfect sense. So the rise of Skywalker by the end of the movie, everyone's going to get exactly what that means. And um, yeah, she also reiterated just how awesome the film's going to be. And again, the she's not going to come out and say it's all right, <laughs> it's not bad, is it? She's going to come out and say it's good. But Daisy Ridley seems to be really hitting home that this film is actually awesome. Yeah, I dude, oh, bring on December. Bring on, bring on the last third of the year. Yes, Fallen Order, The Mandalorian, <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker. Man, oh, that's a hat trick and a half. It's so. It's really we we are really getting there now, and that's not. You know, I don't want to wish away the summer because I love summer. I really love summer. But mate, as soon as we you know slide into autumn, <laughs> Star Wars starts. Oh, things are getting good. These sessions things are going to heat up. Really good. Things are getting really good. Um, and talking of really, really, really good, as 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 always, Galaxy's Edge. We all know that's really awesome. Um, however, however, there are reports. There are reports. We can't confirm this that actually Galaxy's Edge crowds are smaller than anticipated hmm. which is unusual because disneyland and disney expected this to be such a hit that they even designed the park in such a way that the paths were widened the queues were arranged in such a way that they would expect a long long queues and long hmm. hours of wait a bit like um i think they were kind of trying to learn the lesson of the cars land um radiator springs uh, expansion yeah yeah at Disneyland where that first opened I think there was like three hour waits or something for the ride um, and, you know, which is crazy right <laughs> you know crazy. And, yeah yeah not not for me but then um, and also for the Avatar Land I know that was super popular too and you know this is this is very common like Universal Studios and Disney and stuff they, they get uh, lots of visitors when an attraction opens however they are reporting or, or it seems to be going around the news that there are less visitors than anticipated. Now, we've not been there. We've not been there. Mm -hmm. We don't know what it's like. And bear in mind that Disneyland and Disney, they have not come out and said anything like this, right? They've they've not come out and confirmed it. And to be fair, they're probably not going to either way. Um, But I would take this as as a little pinch of salt because I, I think this would come down to a couple of things. Let's say if it's true. Let's say if it's true, right, and the numbers aren't as crazy as what they expected, could it be to do with the fact that they put the prices up before Galaxy's Edge opened and people are like, you know what, just for just for Galaxy's Edge and stuff, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait out because the crowds are gonna be there. Makes um, sense, right? There's a certain amount of I think this is the definition of it: Stockholm syndrome. You know, Stockholm syndrome. Is it yeah, Stockholm yeah. syndrome? I, I think it's that or it's something else. It's where basically um, 
you you don't do something because you think everyone else is doing it, but then everyone else is thinking the exact same thing. Therefore, nothing happens. Nothing gets done. It's almost like um, if someone got like a, a, there was a tower block of like flats or apartments, as as they say, um, and in the courtyard there was a murder, and everyone in the tower block for oh well no. I'm not going to call the police because they've probably already heard it from it from my neighbor. The likely it is actually a lot of people are going to be thinking that in the tower block. And actually the police will end up only getting like one or two calls. And it happens a lot more than people think. So maybe that comes into it a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and all, I think also another thing that I think people are wary of is that, you know, there's only one ride. Yes. And, it's not the i mean it's quality and for us star wars fans it is it is a dream come true but let's assume for a second you're not a star wars fan right and you're pitching the smugglers run to you right you're saying well okay so you're going into this ship oh what ship oh you know the the classic star wars ship the round one that han solo flies in they're like uh yeah i think oh, is that the x1 the or something Starship enterprise uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they get it wrong, right? Or, or hey, they might know what it is, but even then, even then, you're like, okay, so yeah, we get to ride that, and they're like, mm, okay, what, like, so like Star Tours? Well, no, no, not like Star Tours. You get to control it a little bit and stuff, and you get to decide where it's going left and right and forward and stuff like that. Um, and there's two co pilots, and they're like, okay, so how many? People in total can go there. I don't know, like six people. They're like, so how do I definitely get the pilot seat? And they're like, well, at the moment it's yeah, random. You don't. Yeah. You can kind of see why people might be a little reluctant to go just yet until that rise of the resistance ride comes in. And then again, on top of that, you have the, you know, the blue milk, the green milk, which is like coming in at what, like eight bucks a drink or something like something that. Something like Seven that. Bucks or something a drink. And, you know, if you're not a Star Wars fan, is it, you know, pricey? Is it too expensive? Is it a bit OTT? I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, man? Well, even if you are a Star Wars fan, that's quite pricey for a blue slushy, uh, a, a fruit slushy. So maybe it's that, but uh, uh, doing a little digging. And yeah. apparently, yeah, the attendance for the whole of the Disney park has been down recently. So it's not just Galaxy, uh, it's the entire park. So um, right, the other, right. so all the other major attractions like Pirates of the Caribbean and whatnot now, and um, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and all that, you know those ones. They've uh, their their uh, their lines have been a heck of a lot shorter. The the footfall has been a lot more sparse. So people are just aren't going to to the park as a whole. It's not just Galaxy's Edge. Again, I agree. It might be that they're waiting for the rise of the Resistance ride it might be that people are actually just people might be not might not be going because they're worried that it's going to be too busy so they're going to hold off and go later when it turns out that now's probably the best time to go me if i'm if i'm going to spend my mickey mouse money now i'm holding i'm holding off coming from england to go there because i'm going to wait till the rise of the resistance is open i may even wait till the rise of rise of skywalkers out to see what they can offer after that um, yeah, and then yeah, yeah give gives the time to bed in a little bit. Of, of course, if I was offered a chance to go now, I'm on the first plane there now. But with with my own money, I'm, I'd be a bit more coy, and I'm going to wait for it to get a bit a little bit bigger. But everything I've heard about it still sounds incredible. So I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be 
sounding the siren anytime soon or the alarm bells or the warning signs that Galaxy's Edge is going to close because it's a flop. This ain't ain't closing for nothing. This is going to be huge. It's just, it's only been, it's really only been open to the general public for just over two weeks or so. And I'd I'd like to see, I'd I'd like to see what the actual numbers are because when I see it in vlogs and stuff and videos, it looks pretty packed out to me. It looks pretty damn busy to me. So I don't know. Again, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. And you know what these news things like to do. They like to make news out of nothing. If there's yes. something that can get clicks, they're going to do it. They're going to yeah. do it. You know? I don't fully what believe it, takes... it either. Yeah. I, I'm, I, well, I in a negative sense. I don't believe that the um, that the cast members are walking around desperately trying to find someone to entertain. It's, these parks these parks are busy as. We've all seen the pictures. Uh, these parks are busy. Maybe they haven't got the extra 5% they thought they were going to get, but there are variables to that. Again, uh, yeah. Fear of football, the 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 uh, the cost. The cost is a massive deal. The fact that, like we say, there's only smugglers run, which is fine, but is it going to be enough to entice a family of five to pay up to go to go to it? Possibly not. So um, I yeah. can I pretty much guarantee within the next few weeks or months, this this will be changed to suddenly Galaxy's Edge is is, is over capacity. So um, yeah. last little bit of news now, uh, a little bit of little bit of reading out there. Luke's favorite thing, actually, it's comics, so it's not too bad. We've had another <laughs> new Vader comic released, and um, the another Age of Resistance another one, and the Age of Resistance uh, line has started with Finn. So we've had the here we go, deep breath. <gasps> Star Wars Darth Vader series. We've had Dark Lord of the Sith, Vader Dark Visions, and Tales from Vader's Castle, and now we've got something called Target Vader, which is all about a group of bounty hunters who are looking to take Vader down himself. Spoiler alert: they're going to fail. Because we all know what we all know what happens. So I, how how are they going to make this interesting? I just don't. I don't get it. I don't get why they're pumping out so much Vader material. You know, in such what what seems to be a short space of time, right? I mean, it, we're we're closing on the best part of the decade of you know us having Disney era um, Marvel comics, which are canon. And, and and other books and stuff like that and these comics you know i as as i've said a couple of times on episodes i used to collect the comics so i still have a ton of them um some legends uh, a lot canon um and you know one of the reasons why i mean the main reason why i stopped reading them was or stopped collecting them was because of the price yeah uh, i just couldn't keep up with it couldn't afford it because again partly there's so many different titles it's not just like there's you know, like two Star Wars comics, there's like five at a time, right? And it's just really hard because one week, one series might be really like awesome and like proper bomb, like they're, they're, it's just a great story. Then the next week it's rubbish. But then I find out this like different uh, comic, let's say like a Han Solo one is really good. I'll read that and stuff. That's really good. And then the next week that's a bit naff and stuff. And it doesn't seem to be this consistency. It just seems like they're scram, like scrambling a little bit. A little bit of a scattergun approach. Yeah. And they're like, well, we know Vader sells. We know that the Vader comics, they do really well. They sell and stuff, you know, and it, you know, it, even again, you know, you mentioned a Finn one. I'm looking forward to a resistance uh, sequel era 
comic book. I'm super looking forward to to hearing about that. But I tell you what, mate, the you know you know the comics that I'm really looking forward to are going to be the Snoke ones, yeah. and the Kylo Ren ones. You know, I've said that. I've yeah, said yeah. that in, in a in a few shows ago. They're the ones I'm really looking forward to. The other stuff. Yeah, will I pick it up? I don't know. Well, you've already said know. it yourself. Darth Cells, which is clearly what they're going for. And I mean, this apparently this one isn't all about Darth, even though it's got hip to Darth, even though it's got him in the title. It's about the bounty hunters, but apparently there's not an awful lot here that distinguishes this run from all the others. You get a ragtag band of uh, rogues. You get the similar like cantinas and the grungy backdrops. Um, there's nothing really any different. You've got a dude called Baylart Valance, who's apparently one of the deep cuts of Legends. He's been brought back. He's a he, he was a cyborg who debuted in 1978 in those original wow. co- comics. So they brought him back, but apparently he's already been brought that's back cool. once or twice. So that's cool. But I'm not. I'll be interested to see how this plays out at the end of it. But it's not for me. It's not a must read. And that Finn one, I'm looking forward to getting some stories now, backstories for our new heroes, mainly because. We've had yeah. decades and decades of stories relating to the OT gang and the prequel trilogy gang. And now I want details on the new team. I mean, this Finn issue, I've read it, it's fairly flippant and loose. Um, and it basically, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but basically revolves around what a good guy Finn is. But um, it had a, it's fun. I mean, it had a feeling of like a Forces of Destiny story for me. Right. It wasn't right. awful, but um, for me, I want a few more young adult or higher novels surrounding these characters. Of Ray right. Finn, Carlo Snoke, but you know I'm getting that. We're probably going to have to wait until the rise of Skywalker is is done and dusted for those. So a couple of new comics there, um, another new Vader, an Age of Resistance. You know what? You just mentioned just out of interest. You you just mentioned um, one of the uh, animated um, shows. Of Which Destiny. one was it? Des- Forces of Destiny. Yeah. Thank you. Um, which was uh, released on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mainly aimed at like the younger girl market, right? And then they had the yeah. Then you had the dolls that went along with it, like you know the Ray, the Jims and stuff, the layers and whatever. Um, and you know what? I don't know if you've seen them. I I just thought of this. Have you seen on YouTube the Star Wars Kids Channel? There's a separate Star Wars channel, (laughs) right? And they have these are very short. They're like a minute or two animated stories called galaxy of adventures and sometimes it's retelling um the stories we already know from the films um but maybe from a different perspective and i tell you what mate they are really good they are some of them are some of them are really good i don't and know if fun. you've seen them you've seen them uh, yeah i've seen i've seen a few of them and i saw the most recent one i remember that when one came out about leia saving luke and han the death star lots of people on the internet went wild and mental because you know, they made Princess Leia out to be a strong female who was drop kicking people left, right, and centre just for the fun of a cartoon. But where there was lots of people saying that didn't happen. It's on a kids' yeah. YouTube channel, guys. Come on. But um, yeah, I like these ones, and I had that one recently. Yeah, about um, like the saga and Obi Wan and Anakin, and it was wicked. Yeah, yeah, it, it's good fun. It's good fun. But it's that's good it. fun. That's I just I just wanted to mention that because I think that's like really cool. I think that's a really cool bit of the uh, bit of the bit of the web. Yeah, and it's good to get everybody involved, young and old. Absolutely, there's a bit of Star Wars for for everybody. So, um, what we're talking about tonight, we've been talking about Resistance and Finn, 
He started. He he was introduced in the sequel trilogy, not the Disney trilogy, the sequel trilogy, uh, and that's what we're gonna have a little chat about now. Um, I put out a call on Twitter recently, just asking what some of you guys' favourite scenes or shots or imagery from the sequel trilogy were, and the response response was pretty mad. Uh, it was only a casual question. I was only asking, um, but due to this, we thought we we thought we'd run with it and use it as our discussion point for this show. Uh, so we're going to give a couple of our favourite moments from the four sequel era movies, and then we're going to run down some of yours. So we'll give a couple of our you know more memorable moments or shots or scenes from those four movies. Obviously, The Force Awakens, Rogue One, TLJ, and Solo. And you never know, maybe some of ours will tally up. With with yours, but bear in mind if we if we really wanted to, we could bust out about four or five hours worth of conversation here. So uh, ah, do, easy. Do bear with us. So start with the Force Awakens. Uh, Lord Blywalker, Master Blywalker. What are some of the scenes or imagery, whatever that's that when you think of that film, what's standing out, man? So something that stands out for me first and foremost is, you know, the scale of this film, uh, and I mean like literally, as well as in the story. The story and also the scenes feel so big. You know, I immediately think, you know, when we at the start of the film, when we see Ray just like coming down that slope, yeah. you know, and, and there's that massive crashed Imperial Star Destroyer behind yeah. her and stuff. You know, it's it's gorgeous. It's really gorgeous. And you get and Ray's cannot... theme playing for the first time as well. Oh, which is so beautiful. Yes. So beautiful. And... You know, I, I do struggle to think of any pop culture, any other pop culture franchise, you know, like uh, any any of the Marvel films or the DC films that in the last few years look as good as, you know, our Star Wars films. I'm just going to I'm going to say, say that right here. Right out there, guys. Right. I cannot think of the DC ones don't look as good. Marvel don't look as good. You know, um I don't know the the Hobbit films don't look as good <laughs> for sure, but yeah, yeah, you see where I'm going, right? Yeah. I do know. It yeah, looks, yeah, it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. So that's where I'm going to start off with Ray coming down that slope, and and there's that there's the the Star Destroyer, the crash one in the background, just bringing that original Star Wars flavor back to the big screen. For the first time in in many 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 years, I'm getting wow. the goosebumps, man, thinking about that because I remember seeing in the trailer when the speeder goes past and you're like, that oh. is wicked. Um, yeah, I mean, even like Ray sitting by the Atat in her home, the canon novels, the canon novels give loads of fun details about the Battle of Jakku, including that Atat and all the Star Destroyers and all that. So that's where the aftermath trilogy, especially, comes in massively handy because it gives it doesn't give backstory on that attack particularly and give it a name and a designation but it kind of says that these attacks were or ATATs, what do you want to call them were sprawled across Jakku and blah 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 and and the star destroyers from lost stars crashed into Jakku and I think that was the one that the speeder went past but again little things that if you don't know doesn't matter but yeah that was that is a beautiful beautiful character introduction moment for her and that and when the music starts Man, those hairs start going up. Uh, mine are kind of not really in any any real order. This one's going to surprise a lot of you, and I can I can already hear Luke um, getting his club ready to beat me with it. But um, <laughs> there's one moment in the scene with um, Han and Chewie when they're running away from the Rathstars because I know the Rathstars get a bad rap, but have any of you seen Attack of the Clones with that weird locust thing and all that in the arena? 
Come on, that's worse than the Raftars. I don't <laughs> mind the Raftars. I think they're quite I good. Don't, I don't mind them, actually. I but don't mind. It's that one scene where, um, obviously, they've been let loose and Hans run. I think we've spoken about this before, but it gets me every time. Hans running away from the Raftar and you can see it rolling behind <laughs> him like say. exactly it's like the Indiana Jones moment with the bull chasing him the massive rock but then this member of the Gawavian death gang just comes out of nowhere he lays one on him and just <laughs> throws him into the Raftar's mouth so for me it was the actual imagery of just Han Solo being Han running away from trouble as ever and then just doing the most Han thing possible just whacking someone and throwing him into the jaws of death before running off so <laughs> that little scene just sort of it brought a bit of fun in a moment, which I know is quite maligned, but I like that whole scene. Obviously, you get the introduction of Country Club uh, yeah. and everything, but that moment was just, it felt like, actually, like not it wasn't forced humour, it just felt fun. It's, but when you think about it, he's sending a man to his doom, but he does it in such a way that makes me giggle every time. Dude, I love that. And it's good old Han Solo, you know. Yeah. That, that, and that, that's a Han thing to do. So yeah. it totally makes sense. It yeah. totally makes sense. I think um, I've mentioned this a couple times uh, before in, in, a, in a, a few <laughs> different episodes. <laughs> you're laughing. What are you laughing at? Just what, the I'm idea when he whacks him and just flings him in his car. <laughs> it is quality. It is quality. Yeah, I mean, sorry. that's what you see down the pub every Saturday night, right? Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. But no, I, one of my, I've mentioned this in a few shows before, that one of my favourite scenes in the whole saga is actually when um, Finn and Poe are escaping yeah. the Star Destroyer and we actually find out that Finn's name is given to him by Poe or Poe comes up with the name and Finn likes it. Which is a cool um, way to do it. And it's and it's just that moment of that was the moment in the cinema when we were sitting there. I sat there and I felt emotional because that was the first time in that film, in that episode, where I was like, this feels so like Star Wars. So like Star Wars. I was like, the writing, the here it is, execution, the chug, chug, the, chug. the everything, man. Like the it was just it they just got it so right so right and i love that moment i love that moment but also just just on a more broader brush like i really really love the whole i love all the characters in the force awakens mm. i love I, I love poe dameron you know i love finn i love ray i love uh Ca- captain hux a uh, general hux sorry general hux um general hux and 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 is Snoke. I love everyone, and Kylo Ren was was tremendous, tremendous. But it, I, I love them all. I, I love the Force Awakens. It's it's one of my favourite Star Wars films for yeah. sure. Speaking of Captain Hux or General Hux, his uh, I, his like psycho speech on Starkiller Base. I love oh. love love watching that. Just the even like the acoustics and the echo on his voice. And the way he just commands this this authority, and it makes me just a little bit sad about how he ended up in the Last Jedi. Because in the Force Awakens, he was he was legitimately a nutter, where <laughs> who looks like he would happily destroy billions of people. That moment when he's just screaming about bringing down the loath the loathsome Republic and all that, all Shakespearean and over over the top, and the and mm-hmm. just the like the maniacal so way he just good. screams at the end. I was like. Donald's voice must have been shot by the end of doing one of those takes, but I, that's another scene that stand, stands out for me. It just 
It shows Hux for what he is. It shows the might of the First Order. And I know that the Hosnian Prime itself wasn't... We didn't really, we, we didn't know what they were blowing up because of me, I thought it was Coruscant to start with and I only found out afterwards that it, or during the film that it wasn't. But the, just, just that scene on Starkiller Base is another one that stands out for me. Yeah, it's it's really because it, it echoes like World War Two, the Nazis and World War Two, yeah, yeah. you know. It, it, it and it really you believe it. You believe that these people truly believe that the First Order would do a much better job at ruling the galaxy than than the Republic, than the New Republic. And um, I, you know, a lot of that just comes down to the to the actor. Is it Dom Hall Gleason? Dom Hall Gleason. Yeah, Dom Hall Gleason. Yeah. And you know, hey, mate, you know, credit to him. He he did a tremendous job in that role, especially in that scene. Absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I, I'm going to mention because it's on the same planet. Um, I'm going to mention the lightsaber battle between uh, Damn right. Kylo um, and and Finn and Ray. I'm going to include both of them because Finn puts up a fight. You know, he basically gets uh, toyed around with, but and then he gets his ass handed to him. He but gets like, it handed to him. Yeah. Um, but you know, the lightsaber fight is so good. The lighting, the, the you know, the the vivid blue and the vivid red, and the different yes. styles. And Kylo's, I mentioned this last in last week's show, I think. But Kylo's just power, the way he's swinging his like lightsaber around, like it's. Like it's a medieval sword, you know. Yes, oh, it's a fury. It's so good. It's and so, Ray's so parrying good. for the most part. She's defending for most of the part. She's not taking it to him. Oh yeah. She's just she's backtracking. She's running away. She's fighting him off. Yeah. And yeah, that was one of mine as well. So yeah, let's talk about that, man. Oh mate, and it just a bit like you said, she is on the she's on the back foot like the whole time, literally just until the Force awakens in her. Right. That's that's yeah. that's what happens. She she just like closes her eyes and and she she trusts in the force and the force speaks to her in in a in a such a way that all it takes is a few moves. Bing, bish, bash, bosh, Kylo's down. Right. And he's 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 now on the back foot. He's not defeated. He's on the back foot. And yeah. then for some reason, and I still think there's more to this scene than we realise. I think it's been forgotten a little bit. The ground splits between Ray and Kylo. I'm not sure. Split. I'm not sure that's an accident. And I know Starkiller Base at that time is somewhat imploding. The Ooh, planet see is, going with, is, you know, I think the force is saying, now's not the time. You guys, Ooh. you guys can't, you know, kill each other or, or to keep on battling each other, you know, now is not the time. You need to go your separate ways and you're going to come back. And in fact, you're going to be connected somehow. Yeah. That, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, mate. I'm telling you, mate. I think in once episode nine comes out, we take that in for a few months. You know, we really process it. We're going to look retrospectively at episode seven and eight. And we're going to be like, yeah. oh, right. So that's what that meant. Or this, right. this works in that sense. Yes. There we go. There we imagine go. If the, imagine if the ground split. This is where we get. This is where we speculate irresponsibly, because Ray is channeling dark side. She is. She has been smoking that dark side cigarette there and then, and she's <laughs> she's high on the dark side. Maybe the ground split simply because of her utter fury. We saw in the Last Jedi that the ground split around her when she went to the dark. 
when when Luke was given her a lesson, um, the ground split and the rock started floating. It would take a heck of a lot of force hate for the for the ground to split that much. But maybe she got it going, and then, like you say, the force thought, "Oh, God, enough's enough. Back to your corners. Round one over." Um, man, that is it's such a wicked scene as well, and it gets so much. I think, like I say, I think people gloss over it because, oh, Kylo got defeated by a a stormtrooper and a woman. Get out of here! You know, go, go get some fresh air. It's Kylo. We've said this before. He got he got a bow cast to the gut. Kylo took a shot to the arm from Finn. Then Ray also caught him on the knee. I think towards the end as well. So the guys, the guys sort of at forty percent maybe of his of his uh, ability. So yeah, the, and yeah. the fight is so yeah. like visceral as well. And like you mentioned, just like the visual image of those two sabers against the the vivid white of the snow and that it just. It's like something out of my Star Wars dream, seeing that at night as well, man. It's phenomenal. It really is a fantastic um, lightsaber duel. You know, it re- really is. It's one of my favourites in in the whole story. Really, it really is. I I absolutely adore it. But I just want to mention like this this other thing with the Force Awakens, and I think this film absolutely nails it. And it's the really really tiny details. You know, J.J. Abrams and the team behind Episode 7, you know, they just nailed the Star Warsy details from yep. from Maz's um, castle, you know, the drinking or watering hole there, um, to in the background of, like you, you mentioned it earlier, Ray's little home in the 80, um, 8080. You know, she has a little um, X-Wing fighter pilot doll in mm-hmm, the background. Yeah. She's marking the days that she's been there, you know, on, on the wall against her. She, she, The way she makes the bread. You know, I love that scene. Just the way That's she gets that scene, water, man. like empties it into this, like, mixes it with her fingers and it turns into this, like, bread and stuff. And, and technically, just, it's, a fa- it's a fabulously well done shot. It's the whole film, though, Matt. From start to finish, <laughs> episode seven is just beautifully made and it flows and it works. It it it's really so well does. Crafted. It really does. And it ages stunningly. It ages stunningly. I, I Right now, I can't think of a scene in that film that does not look absolutely fantastic. It's I'm thinking gorgeous. off the top of my head now. I mean, what Luke is saying is The Force Awakens is like himself. Just gets better with age, man. Um, I can't think of I can't think of any scenes that don't look. I mean, people will argue the Raftar scene, but again, there's nothing wrong with the Raftar. It's just it's every Star Wars film has its weird aliens and the Raftars oh, yeah, are both. So I get that the CG on the Raftars is it, it doesn't look a hundred percent real, but you know, I buy it still. Do you know what I mean? In yeah, the I cinema, buy it, so, yeah, in the cinema, exactly. I didn't sit there and think, "Oh, that looks bad." You know, I yeah. do and. People might hate me for saying this. I do that a lot with Marvel films, right? I sit there and I go, "Oh, that CG looks naff. That does not look real. Like I don't buy it." But I do think, again, it's maybe different styles with the Marvel films. You know, I it, they can kind of get away with it a little bit more. It is maybe a little bit more comic booky and a little bit I don't know. But with Star Wars, the the effects. They just seem to be executed so, so, so well. But yeah, that's. No, I, I think that's mostly what, what I can think of with The Force yeah. Awakens. Well, the good news is, before we move on to the next one, is where you mentioned that JJ had done his homework and whatnot. Uh, alluding back to that um, Happy, Sad, Confused podcast uh, interview with Ray, she actually said uh, her words, it's not quite verbatim, but pretty much, is Chris Terrio, the co-writer with JJ, 
she said he had all of these Star Wars tomes and nerdy books, and they were he was basically on set reading these encyclopedias of Star Wars and all the characters and all the um, past content. So to make sure that everything tied in, everything was rich with detail Ooh. and nothing was missed. So they are really, I mean, I, I believe her. factoid. There, it's, it's on there. Honestly, Ooh. go and check out the, uh, shout out to another podcast, but it's a very good podcast. Um, but yeah, she, she said Chris Terry is basically proper geeking out on set. So I'm looking forward to see what they're, what they're going to throw in. And the, la- the last scene I'm going to throw in is actually literally one shot, actually, from The Force Awakens, is... Um, is the TIE Fighters silhouetted against the, the orange sun. Love it. It's like the the Apocalypse Now kind of moment, but yeah. I, I think that's just a beautiful shot. It's derivative, but in the best possible way. So um, Love it. Shall we move on to the first standalone film? Let's do it. Oh, we're going to do it um, based on release date, yeah? Yeah, let's do let's that. Let's do go it. to Rogue One. Rogue One. I can't one. think of any scenes in Rogue One that are any good. None. Mate, mate, anyone who's listened to our show before knows from you that's a load of tosh. That's another like, like rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, here we go. The worst one actually is actually speaking of right, bad CGI. Rogue one, it is the worst part of that film, but because of the CGI is terrible. But Rogue One, Skywalker, Borgullet, Borgullet will get its weird tentacle things in your face. One tends to lose one's mind. <laughs> I love Ball Gullet. Ball Gullet is like my favourite thing ever. Did you it's great. To kill me? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I want Ball Gullet like... Ball Gullet calamari. A Star Wars story. Yeah, yeah I want a Ball Gullet shirt. Let's make a, let's make a Star Wars Sessions Ball Gullet t-shirt. Let's do it. <laughs> We're going to do that. Yeah, deal. Right, so... Uh... <laughs> stay tuned, stay tuned. Rogue One. I think I think this is probably dare I say visually I think this film really looks the part I think I think the quality of everything from the CGI to the models to the way it's orchestrated scenes are written out and done you know because it's a very busy film Mm-hmm. I think it's one of my favourites, or if not my favourite-looking film. Ooh. It's it's so good. I mean, it's faultless. It really is. It really, really is. Um, I'm going to start us off, if you don't mind. Are you happy with that? Absolutely, I love, mate. I think one of my favourite scenes in the, in the whole of Star Wars, again, is... is when they're in Jeddah, when just when they arrive in Jeddah and oh. they get the atmosphere, yeah, that's it. The music, um, they get like <laughs> we're, the, all, we're all for the impressions today, by the way, guys. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but I love like the the alleyways they're down. You know, it mm-hmm. it feels so good. And that moment, all the way leading up to the fight scene with Chira and Way, like knocking out those stormtroopers with with those like. With that Tarascazi karate style, yeah, yeah, it's just so delicious, so delicious. I love that scene. It's spotless. Uh, yeah, and um, the introduction to Bays with that wicked gun of his, um, oh. and then after that we get the bit where they blindfold Chira. Are you kidding me? I'm blind. Love I it. literally spat my drink out in the cinema, but the Jedi looks 
awesome. It doesn't look like Tatooine, but it evokes those memories, and it's great, but it doesn't look like it's just trying to be Tatooine. There's more than enough to separate it from that planet, and it's a lot more visually pleasing um, aesthetically than Tatooine is as well. I'm going to go for the first one, just going back to Yavin 4, seeing Yavin 4 on the big screen, oh, nice. a little bit bigger, expanded nice. more than we saw it in the OT, uh, again, with the with the music, Giacchino's score in the background, and it just looks, it looks like it did in A New Hope. Of course, we see a little yeah. bit more of it, but just a moment where where they la- where they're landing into Yavin Four. There's so much detail with that. There's the whole place is just um, is littered with people, and then when we see it, you know, however long it is in the universe in A New Hope, however much time's passed, hours, like day, a day or so, is sparse. Nobody's there because they've all gone to Scarif and mainly been obliterated. But um, just seeing Yavin Four in all its glory uh, was was wonderful for me. Yeah, I. Do you know what? I'm I'm, I'm going to make a point that's kind of similar to to yours, where it, it, this was the first time in you know just under forty year or thirty years or so um, where we saw actual like original OG stormtroopers on the big screen. That's right? true, actually. And you know, just the whole feeling of the being in the original trilogy, being moments away from a new hope. You know, literally. Literally moments away from New Hope. We didn't quite realise that at the time, but we knew it was just before a New Hope. Yeah. Um, being around that like time period again, but in the, made with modern day technology, exactly modern day cameras, modern day effects. I it it just it it's so good. It's, it's so startlingly good. good. And I do have a little soft spot for Rogue One just because we Woo-hoo. we had um you know Star Wars celebration. Here in London, yeah, of course, yeah, and that was the lead up to Rogue One, you know, sure. and you heckled Riz Ahmed playfully, mate. I did, I did. We'll, <laughs> we'll have to get the sound clip like one day from that. Uh, I'm going to pull it before next week. Let's do it. Let's do it. And um, yeah, it's it's just it's it's such a beautiful film. It's so beautiful, so beautiful. There's there's one obviously big scene, but a couple more for me, and I've mentioned. Um, one of them is the gang, you know, the the team flying through the dark of Edu through those kind of weird sort of jaggedy rock patterns with the rain hammering down because it's a new planet as they're on their way to scope out Galen Erso and we think Cassian's going to kill him. I love that scene. And I've mentioned before in our uh, top 10 moments of the franchise, just the entire battle of Scarif for that last oh. sort of 45 minutes or whatever is is just... It's got to be... For me, it's the best Star Wars of all time. Yeah. I, for me, because I mentioned, you get the ground battle, we get the space battle, we get that espionage, we yeah. get the suspense, we get the boots on the ground. It's, it's the unpredictability, but we, we weren't sure that everybody was going to bite it. But just, again, the way that it looks, the way it's set up, you get the X-Wings versus the... T- versus, uh, tie Strikers. Tie Strikers, tie striker, that's it. In the, in the air above Scarif, we've got the plans, which we know we're going to lead into episode four. Uh, we've got the Death Troopers uh, and and our and our boys all got uh, Baze and Chirrut all going for it. Then we've got Jin and Cassian versus Krennic essentially, and we know what comes after that when they go on to the uh, Profundity. But the entire Battle of Scarif is just uh, mesmerising for me. So yeah. that whole scene yeah. is yeah. is top of the tree for me, man. Dude, I couldn't agree more. It's it is probably the best Star Wars battle, you know, we've got. 
It really, really is. It, because, it, like you said, it has everything. And the way it is done, the way it's filmed, you it's just it's so good. Um, and also just the practical effects in this film are on another level. They are just on an absolute another level. Um, I, it really is. I just want to go watch Rogue One now. This yes. is a joke. This is a joke. Um, he's, he's done it. We've turned also, him. Also, like, uh, it, that, that scene just leads into, I think, one of the best scenes, not not just in Star Wars, but in cinema, was say it. the Vader hallway scene. <laughs> yeah! It's got to be. It's got to yeah. be. And that is gorgeous. That scene, not only is absolutely brutal, but it's it's so, so beautifully done. The you know, for a horrible... Man you know, thing that's actually going on. Um, yeah, murdering unarmed men, essentially. Classic, classic Vader. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's so gorgeously done. Um, yeah, I can't get over that scene. Every time I see it, I, I can't get over it. Yeah, I mean, four, four hour in-depth memories. Go back to listen to our uh, show we did a couple of months ago where we ran down our top few moments of the franchise. Obviously, that's in it. And we both recounted our stories of what happened when we were there in the cinema watching it, needless to say, it was pandemonium at points. But just seeing, I watched that. I watched that fortnightly, if not weekly. Just, just that moment when the camera in the dark pans past the shoulders of the of those poor rebel troopers, and you hear the breathing and that door, ding, 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 ding. and then you hear the breathing and you think, oh no, that's it, they're for it now. And then you hear the lightsaber noise, which only Luke can do. <laughs> And then it illuminates oh, him in good. red, like you know, it's like this. It's just like death has come, and here yeah. he is in all his glory. Yeah. It's yeah. just, I mean, we're not going to shortchange this, but we could go on about this scene forever. So um, that is that's the standout scene from the film for everybody, and it probably is. Even though I've mentioned the spat of Scarif, I mean, the Vader scene is a standout scene, but it isn't. It doesn't make the film for me. If that makes sense. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, mate. Couldn't agree more. So, so is that Rogue One? I think that's Rogue One. I think that leads us in to a film that, for me, you listen to that, that, my friends, that is a bottle opener. I'm getting <laughs> a bowl and listen to this bad boy. Hang on, hang on, hang on. There we go. Did you hear that bad boy? I heard it, I heard it. Right. Okay. I Okay. <laughs> um, I'm cracking this open because The Last Jedi, right, it's a controversial film. There's no two ways about it. There's no two ways about it. But you'll see why I'm cracking this later, uh, open later. Because this film, I think, has it has a few moments in it which I don't like yeah. uh, visually. Like, I was expecting better things of the Canto Bite um, scene. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a few bits where the puppets and the characters, they don't look that great to me. Talk, like, there's yeah. the opera singer, you know, and stuff. And it just looks a bit naff. <laughs> uh, and the C- the CG doesn't look, you know, uh, uh, you know, quality. But then, but then the Last Jedi does what it does best, and it just confuses you even more because then you'll get some of the best scenes visually and and from a storytelling perspective, but especially visually, that we've had since the original trilogy, or possibly ever, ever. ever. <laughs> and the first thing that I'm going to say, because I can't get this out of my head, is the Holdo manoeuvre oh. in the cinema where she just moves that ship. She moves it slightly, a few degrees left or wherever it is, west, east, you know, whatever. 
um, starboard, I don't know, and punches it. You know, she, and the cinema was silent. Yes. You couldn't hear a thing. You could not hear a thing. And everything before and, that is in slow motion. You've got Hux on the Star Destroyer screaming, you know, fire on that, you know, take that ship down now. But it's all in slow motion before the manoeuvre, and it's just epic. It's incredible. There, there isn't a there isn't a moment like that in Star Wars, and it's new. Yeah, it's honestly. And the so silence special. was perfect. Perfect, perfect. Couldn't agree more, mate. Couldn't agree more. Oh man, just the more I think about that scene, the better it is. And I don't see how anyone can not like that. Um, I think I've got, I've got, I had, I had four little notes down for this. One of them was the holdo maneuver. Um, the other one is simply pretty much most of the Acto scenes look wonderful. Whether that's like the wide yeah. um, panoramic yeah. shots or of of the island as a whole, or just uh, Luke and Ray on the island, it's whether it's whether it's hammering down with rain or the when they're in the mist or they're in the tree. I know this is very sort of sprawling, just to basically say Octo, but there's so many aspects of that. Oh, like the the stone huts which are on Skellig Michael Island. It's just the aesthetic, and it doesn't feel to me like it's a couple of hundred miles across the sea, even not even that. In Ireland, it feels like you're there on up toe in the middle of nowhere. So most of those yeah. scenes with with Ray and Luke, I think, are great. I, dude, I couldn't agree more. And again, the Last Jedi doing what it does best. The Ray and Kylo scene. I mean, <laughs> is I this mean, which one's I, this one? I rewatch because that leads into the Holdo maneuver, right? That's what's mental. That of course, is what's yeah. crazy. And it's like a one-two it, punch. It, yeah. It's all very overwhelming because even on the the night I saw the Last Jedi for the first time, I felt overwhelmed. I felt overwhelmed because I was like, "There's so much that happens, like especially in that last third of the film." Yeah. Um. I oh, dude, that bit, that Ray and Kylo fight sequence. And Snoke and don't just... get sliced in half before that. And you're just like. Okay, what? <laughs> and then and then they just pull off what's one of the coolest scenes in Star Wars or science fiction. It's oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. It's so beautiful and so so you just couldn't help but go yes, exactly. That's it. You yes. just yeah, you just fist bump. Yeah. Oh mate, beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. For all the detractors that the last Jedi has, and we we've come out and said there are bits we didn't like about it, um, but some of the moments in it are just like saga-defining moments like that. And I mean, people have said, "Oh, really?" There's some editing issues with it. Mm. There's also editing issues if you look at uh, Poe when he's talking to Holdo. The over-the-shoulder shots. Um, what's the name? Laura Dern's mouth is moving, but nothing's coming out. Yes, it's bad editing, but does it ruin the film? No. Dude, there's bad does it matter? And and mistakes like in the original trilogy. Exactly. It's that just I never even noticed until someone pointed out to me. And even just then, like, does it ruin yeah. the film for you? Probably not. No. No, of course it don't. Of yeah, course exactly. it don't. I, I wanna I wanna mention as well, just you know, I, I think this connects the original trilogy beautifully to the sequel trilogy, is is the Yoda scene with Luke. I think it's one of my favourite Favorite softer scenes. Just you know, the moment so when it not pans past and you see the back pure, of Yoda's head. It's pure wisdom, just pure wisdom. Just basically learning from your mistakes. Yeah, you know, pass on what you have learned. And you know, the the burden of all masters. They are what. Um, yeah, what they grow beyond. Yeah, we are what they grow beyond. Yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful message. And it is actually a pertinent message. It's gorgeous. And it looks like Yoda. And it is it is Yoda. It's Yoda and Frank Oz, man. It's And Luke incredible. again. Mark Hamill and Frank Oz back together. And just just Luke Skywalker, just saying Master Yoda. You know, Master it's Yoda. It's just it's so it's so emotional seeing that. Yoda's theme it. starts I, playing. I, I, I honestly I adore that scene. I don't I don't I think that's one of my favourite moments. Again, not just in this episode, but in the in the whole saga. The Last Jedi Man, it, it really when it knocks it out of the park, it smashes it. It hits more home runs than Sammy Sosa. The town. Man. It's yeah, and we mentioned that character arcs. That is an that is a that's an arc ender almost for Yoda and Luke. Yoda gave the wisdom and empire, but this is now, this that to me is the kind of Yoda's perfect, the perfect encapsulation of that character. He has learned from Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi when you know they're holding stuff back from Luke and they just wanted Vader gone and blah blah whatnot. This is Yoda basically sound like failure, learning that obviously the failures of the Jedi Order have passed, his own failures, blah blah. That is the greatest tick. That is what you need to pass on, Luke. You know, get your backside back out there. Tell the girl Ray. You might have lost Ben Solo, but we're not going to lose Ray. Blah blah. And it's just the music and the uh, and the shot of when they're the silhouette, them silhouetted against that burning tree is just it's beautiful. It's just stunning. And then, like you say, when it gets it right, it gets it right. And um, one of the other scenes, speaking of silhouettes, is when um I know people don't particularly like this scene either, but when you've got the fathers, but they're running on the beach with the with the moon behind them. I think that's a really nice shot. Um, then they sort of end up you know, clambering up a 90 degree mountain which still bends my head how they do that but last real one for me was uh, just Luke Skywalker on crates and then again versus oh, Carlo but Luke dude. walking out with a laser sword to take on the First Order dude. the scope of that scene and the colours and the and the magnitude of it is just immense beautiful it's so good that this film I encourage anyone to just watch this film. If, if Even if you like it, don't like The Last Jedi, watch it and really take note of the, cine, the, the how cinematically gorgeous mm-hmm. some of these scenes are. Ryan Johnson, you know, he might have not created, you know, the perfect story and it isn't, but blow me down. Some of these scenes are gorgeous and the imagination that went into it are, is, is wonderful, really is wonderful. I can't agree more, mate. Yeah. And that, I guess that leaves us with our last standalone story. Yes. The underdog of the bunch. It is. Solo, a Star Wars Absolutely. story. Take us away, my man. A couple of your so, moments from Solo, then. So, for me, I, this is, this is going to sound a bit daft to me, or to, to you guys. But, again, I love the original trilogy feel. Yeah. Um, but I love the Millennium Falcon and the fact that you see it before it's all wrecked and a <laughs> yeah. bit rusty and stuff, it's new, it's shiny. It's lovely. And just, mate, it just, again, it, the film's set in the original trilogy, which I love. I love the aesthetic of that. Um, but Han Solo himself, you see his cockiness, you see his confidence, <laughs> you can tell he's younger. I love the bit where he's like, I'm a, I'm a pilot, you know, I can fly, I can do this. That confidence he has, I think it's it's magical. I really do think it's magical. So 
for me, and I, and I think that one of the best ways that that kind of encapsulates that is the moment when they're actually in the Kessel mines, right? Yep. And the gang, the gang are all together and stuff. There's this moment where someone throws Han the gun, and and he's just out there like shooting. Yeah, when they when they when they've and got the coaxium waiting to get on the falcon. It just, it just proper feels like a cowboy film. Yeah. And that's what they were going for. And I can't ask much more than that. I think it's so cool. That's so right. cool. Lando throws him and he kind of calls him Han as usual. Han. He throws yeah. him the DL-44 and he puts his arm back behind him and he starts um, pumping people left, right and centre. But yeah, I mean, I've got a couple. They're mainly kind of like the, the highlights of the movie. I love the conveyance yeah. heist. The train heist, obviously, again, speaking of westerns and that, they're robbing a train, basically. Wicked. Yeah. Again, it looks brilliant. There's some great camera work with um, yeah. Tobias yeah. Beckett on there when he's facing off against the snow troopers. I love seeing Kessel in live action because we saw it in the Clone Wars uh, animated series. The Kessel run, for yeah. it, it wasn't. It may not have been what I thought it was going to be, but re-watching it again and again, I love it, man. It's just pure fun and adventure and it's it's hard showing off what he can do yes we get the giant space monster again but we're in space we're in the you know it's faking in space give me all the weird space monsters i love the kessel run i loved all of han and lando squaring off against each other and i love the cloud riders and emphis nest it's cool to see another faction i when when emphis nest first took off the helmet I, i remember saying before hmm uh, you know, I would have expected it to be a bit more sort of um, world-weary looking or just a bit more battles-torn. She looks quite fresh-faced. But, you know, going back and re-watching it time and time again, Enfys Ness is a boss, man. So it's uh, good to see the Cloud Rider. So mine are kind of like the highlights reel, but um, they, for the underdog, it's got a heck of a lot of cool highlights. And also one as well, when um, when Han actually breaks in to get the ho- Coaxium, there's one of the, the Pike Syndicate waiting outside the vault and Han Solo walks up to him with his mask on. He, he mocks what he says and then just kicks him in the nuts. I thought that yes. was just pure Han, pure fun. Classic. Classic. Oh, this film is so fun. Um, this is a tiny moment for me, but I love when they're actually at the Border Patrol bit at, mm-hmm. at Corellia. And they, you know, the scene looks so nice. And there's the stormtroopers about there's like, refugees there there's poor people there's people going on like through to the ships there's corrupt imperials and stuff it feels rough and ready you know just like the original trilogy a little bit just like han solo and i also love it's a small detail but you see him stare up at the the, like the notice board and it says you know join the empire today and, and stuff and it's it's the you can actually hear the imperial march playing yeah it's in it's in like a different version. Higher key, yeah. I love that. I love that scene. And, you know, I th- I think you've hit the nail on the head there with the Kessel Run and stuff. I think that's wonderful. But also the game of Sabak, you know, Sabak. Yeah, yeah. Sabak. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, it's it's so cool. It's so sick. Then all the aliens and everything and the cockiness between Lando and Han <laughs> yes. is just so cool. It's so cool. Oh, I, I love Donald and Alden. I want to see more of those guys. And I want to Me see too. more Maul and Kira as well. Oh, yes. Big time. Big time. Couldn't agree more. Well, do you know what, mate? Before we go into the session, so very quickly, the rise of Skywalker, or as we better know it, the rise of Blywalker, is five months away now. And... Luke and myself, we have our routines. We go, we go and see it with whomever, and we get, we do that. 
Obviously, I certainly hope we're going to go and watch it together because I want to pod up about it oh, afterwards. Of but you know what oh, the fun part is? In about six months' time, we're going to be adding our favourite moments from the rise of Skywalker to like oh, an entire mate. saga's worth of moments. It's exciting, man. Oh, it's it, it, there's such, it's such a good time to be a Star Wars fan. It's it such a good time to be a Star Wars fan. I cannot wait. I really can't wait. Mm. Um, and, and we know you guys out there. We know you can't wait to episode nine, you know, just as much as us. We are buzzing for it. We have so much content to look forward to. But we also asked you guys to get involved with the conversation. We asked, well, we put some polls out there, actually, and asked for what were some of your best moments or imagery from the sequel trilogy and standalones. So first of all, we unleashed the polls on Twitter. And uh, after over 100 votes, the results were, Matt, you want to do the honours? I did. So in terms of what films had the best moments or imagery, Solo received 4% of the votes. Mm. The Force Awakens, 17%. Rogue One, 38%, and The Last Jedi won the Twitter battle with 41%, so the majority of That's people believe that had the best going for it. But the Rogue One, Rogue One's fighting its way up the top there, man. Solo, not so much love for Solo on Twitter, but surely Instagram was a bit kinder. Well, over on Instagram, we ran again a, a little knockout tournament. We did it slightly different on Instagram, and we pinned uh, the Force Awakens and well, the Force Awakens and Rogue One uh, made it through to the final. Um, and the Force Awakens won actually with fifty-two percent of the vote, and Rogue One getting forty-eight percent of the vote, which is a close call. Oh. A real close call. Um, there was one vote in it, basically. <laughs> um, and uh, actually, it turned out that The Last Jedi came in third and again, Solo came last, um, which I'm not surprised about. But I wonder if we did that slightly differently and we did straight polls like we did on Twitter, which yeah, yeah. is actually, it's harder to do on Instagram because you can't just do like polls for multiple things. I don't, oh no, you can. Anyway, we didn't do it like that. <laughs> One day but we're going to. We, we're learning. We, we, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Um, but the, I wonder if The Last Jedi would do as well. Yeah. I wonder. It I don't know. It seems to get an awful lot of love on one, but it's uh, it's sad to see Solo get a battering twice, but we love it, and we know you guys out there do too. Hashtag make Solo 2 happen. But um, you guys also contributed to our main discussion, which is what gave us this whole point in the first place. Um, and of course, you know, you know it, we know it, you're the best listeners in the galaxy. So here's a here's a little selection that we've picked out from the multitude of comments we got. So here's a little selection of what we, you guys came up with. Yeah, we got the Beyond the Outer Rim podcast saying the arrival of the Rebel fleet at Scarif. Yes. Jumping into hyperspace, Lolo and Big J, uh, all Star Wars fans slash ASWF, and Blake Richard Gutierrez. Oh, yeah. They went for Vader's hallway reveal and the scene itself. Oh, tasty, tasty, tasty. We've got Lisa Dullard, or Dullard, saying Han's expression of the Falcon when the Falcon goes to hyperspace for the first time in Solo, a Star Wars story. Beautiful. Lovely moment. She also goes by the name of Jedi Pug. So uh, rock on, Lisa. Uh, Grandmaster Galen Marrick, 08, friend of the show. And Star Wars Matrix, plump for the Skywalker saber flying to Rey on Starkiller Base. That's a Shout good out. one. Good shout. We've got Vindiana Jones and KT120, regular listener. Uh, Poe and the fleet arriving at Takodana. I like it. I like it. Uh, Blue Milk on the Rocks and Mr. Daft Prawn. 
they uh, they side with Luke on this one. They've gone for the into in the Last Jedi, the moment with Luke and Yoda, and Mr. Darth Prawn put up a really nice post, which uh, the great Ryan Johnson himself liked. So uh, shout out and uh, well done to Mr. Brilliant. Darth Prawn. Brilliant, Ryan Johnson, the one and only, the one and only. We also got another absolute legend. Absolute legend. Kelly Hoston sang Ray sledding down the sand after scavenging the Star Destroyer. Oh, I love that scene so much. Already mentioned it, but thanks for sending it in, Kelly. You're an absolute legend. Speaking of uh, spicy scoundrels, Ant, uh, Space Cowboy on Instagram, Kylo slices Snoke in half, the lightsaber flies Mm. back into Ray's hand, the camera pans back, we get that beautiful shot momentarily of our two main characters back to back, before carnage ensues. Mwah. Perfection. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. What a moment. We got what a moment. We got Melody Martin saying Luke kissing Leia's forehead in The Last Jedi. Gorgeous. And the tears flowed freely then. Damon Greenland, what top man? He went with Burn in the La- in The Force <laughs> Awakens. Brilliant. Brilliant. We got up. <laughs> yeah, it did. I can I can hear you from here. Um, we got Damon Greenland. Oh no, not Damon. Sorry, we've already <laughs> mentioned him. What a lad. We got Joe Caster who who said the wide sunset shots of Acto. Couldn't Shout agree more, mate. Metal Mando said he's he's going to be a little bit cheeky. He said, and he's giving a future prediction: Ray versus a Tie Fighter from the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Good shout, good shout, good shout. Next up, we've got Martin S. Wright, Snicket87, and again, KT120, the Holdo Maneuver, The Last Jedi. Oh, one of my favourites. Enough said, enough said. The Coagulant, Luke floating furiously using the Force on Acto when he's projecting himself against Kylo. Watched that again yesterday, and it's powerful. Oh, mate. And then then finally, from, from this bunch, we got... None other than Film Joe 12, hmm, who comes with us saying Ray's first lesson on Acto. And it goes a little like this. It goes, what do you see? The island. Life. Death and decay that feeds new life. Warmth. Cold. Peace. Violence. Spicy. And between <laughs> all the spice. Findaloo. Balance and energy. A force. And inside of you, the vindaloo <laughs> inside me, that same force. A vindaloo? <laughs> yeah, it can, it's certainly some sort of force with that. Anyway, uh, yeah, we're, we're we're available, Lucasfilm, whenever you want us. Um, and yeah, then we've up. got Mike, also known as Test Tube Twenty Seven, Christina B, Lolo, Big J, the Slafer, Roman Petrov. This was the winner. Luke walking onto the battlefield and facing the First Order. So, um, uh, wicked, wicked, wicked choices there, guys. And we also received a voicemail than none other than our favourite boy from Western Pennsylvania. You know him. You love you love, love him. him. It's Anthony at a rural farm boy on Twitter with his top moments too. Let's hear it. I do, Maddie and Luke and all our other Star Wars sessions friends. It's Anthony at Rural Farm Boy. So Maddie tells me we're talking. Cinematography. Now, I ain't rightly sure just what that is. I know it's the filming of a a film or a story, movie. And what some of the favorite ones our friends might have from these newer Star Wars stories. 
And no, I ain't going to go and say Disney, because Disney don't make Star Wars. Lucasfilm does. We already went over that. Parts that stand out to me from each of the different stories. For Force Awakens, it's that whole graveyard of giants. And just all the all the, the little of it we do get to see as that, that first part of the story is being told. That has always just grabbed tight hold of me in wondering how that all ended up. What happened at the Battle of Jakku? And we ended up finding out after. So just all them different shots at the beginning of Force Awakens till Finn and Rey get off of Jakku. Yeah, that's grabbed hold of me tight every time I watch. Far as Rogue One, it's the whole story, <laughs> straight up. Um, pretty much same for Solo. And for TLJ, I'm going to say the throne room fight, just to me, in my opinion. When Ben and Ray take on the Praetorian Guards and take them down. So that's my thoughts. And we'll see what some of our other friends got to say. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to your show on my playlist. So till that time, this coming Wednesday, may the force be with you. See you on the radio. Awesome. One absolute lad. One absolute lad. Again, more love for things that have already been mentioned. You know, the graveyard of giants and stuff. Uh, Ray and Finn and stuff leaving Jakku. Um, you know, the throne room fight in The Last Jedi. Yeah, they're beautiful moments. And thank you so much for sending that in, you absolute legend. It's great to hear your voice and that wonderful country accent. Absolutely. And I've, I just have to fact that went the Rogue One and Solo. Pretty much just the whole thing. The well, whole thing. Yeah, the I generalise the whole thing. So, Anthony, you are an absolute legend. The Graveyard of Giants is one of my favourite things in all of the sequel trilogies. All those downed machinery is wonderful. And Finn and Ray together is Chemistry 101. That's Chemistry Goals, that is. So, Big time. Thank Big you, time. Anthony. So, before we finish off tonight, we've got our, our, our regular ending slot. You know it, you love it. If you don't know it, you're going to love it. It's Canon Character Spotlight. <laughs> it's where Luke and myself, we are assigned a random character from Canon. It could be anyone from a one-liner or no-liner in a comic to Emperor Palpatine himself. We shine a little light on them. So, Luke, who's your spotlight on tonight? Well, tonight we've got Brendel Hux, a human male who served the Galactic Empire. Prior to his service in the Empire, Hux has served as a junior officer in the Grand Army of the Republic, communicating tactics and strategy as determined by Jedi generals. Some four years later, before the Battle of Yavin, he was the commandment of Arcanes? Arcanes? Arcanus, uh, okay, <laughs> academy where he created the Commander's Cadets, a secret society within his academy made up of his hand-picked cadets. After the Imperial defeat at Endor, he was trapped by the New Republic during the Siege of Arcanus. Uh, however, he escaped with the help of bounty hunter Mercurial Swift on the orders of Fleet Admiral Gallius Rax, who appointed him a member of the new Shadow Council. He eventually sired an illegitimate son, Armitage, who would go on to become a general of the First Order as one of its first leaders. After the defeat at the Battle of Jakku, Brendel and Armitage joined the Imperial Exodus that fled to the known galaxy into the unknown regions 
In exile, the Elder Hux raised his son on stories of great Imperials and how the Empire had saved the galaxy from violence of the Clone Wars. He later travelled to Parnosus to recruit warriors for the First Order, where he first encountered and recruited Phasma. He was later betrayed and murdered by Phasma on his son's order via the lethal Parnassus Beetle. Notable appearances, Aftermath series and Phasma novel. Nice. Luke is available for audiobook reading as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my one was Nank Tun. Nank Tun. Uh, an, an aqualist who served as an aide to Senator Poe Nudo throughout the Clone Wars. As the Clone Wars erupted across the galaxy, Tun remained close to Nudo, advising the Aqualish on matters relating to his position on the Separatist Council. When the Separatist leadership was sent to Mustafar, Tun joined Nudo and the other leaders at the Mustafarian mining complex where the Confederacy's mysterious benefactor, Darth Sidious, assured they would be safe. Welcoming Sidious's apprentice, Darth Vader, the Aqualish and the rest <laughs> of the Separatist Council soon realised they yes. were in danger. <laughs> Yes. Cowering alongside Nudo as Vader uh, ignited his saber. Yep. His protective breastplate yep. did little to stop the blue bladed <laughs> weapon as it struck, killing him instantly. <laughs> Notable appearances Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and the canon character spotlight Darth Vader, Deadpool. It's literally. If. I mean, Vader. It's like 50% of our shows on the canon spotlight bit. A Vader killing someone, and it's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah, you need to kill off a character. Vader will do it. Vader will do it. Uh, when we do our massive year-end show, we might we, we might end up having to do like a recollection of canon characters that Vader's killed from the past year. Oh, so good. I can already so taste good. a bumper episode, but we've got uh, one last little segment before we go. Any idea what it could be, uh, Master Blywalker? Well, I have a feeling the Force is strong with this one. It's none other than Star Wars poet. It's Curtis Smith. He, Curtis Smith is so strong with the Force, he can remember the future. This guy is a legend. So, take it away with one of your newbies. It's Curtis Smith, a.k.a. Star Wars Poem, a.k.a. Always a Legend. Hondo Onaka. It's a living. You pop up more places than Maul. No swindle was ever too small. You romanced or a sing... It was only a fling. Now you're at Mickey's beck and call. Find me on Twitter at Star Wars Poet, on Instagram and Facebook at Star Wars Poetry. Always Star Wars, always poetry, always original work, posting daily. Thank you very much, Hondo Onaka, a man who's still going, age 967, and still swindling people at age 967. He did have a fling with Aura Singh, but now he's Mickey's man as well, uh, referring to Hondo's pre- presence at Galaxy's Edge. So, um, yes, thank you so much for that, Curtis Smith, the only man who can make fire using ice cubes. He is a legend in our eyes and in the Star Wars world. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming! Always Curtis. <gasps> Always a legend. Yeah. Thank you very much, Curtis. And uh, as we all know, once we hear Curtis's tones, that can only mean one thing. Sadly, that is that for this episode of Star Wars Sessions. But the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone. Especially not us. So where can the world find us, Master Blywalker? Well, they can find us on Twitter, at Star Wars Session, with no S at the end. That's at Star Wars Session, 
on Twitter. They can also slide into our DMs on Instagram at Star Wars Sessions. That's at Star Wars Sessions on Instagram. Or feel free to drop us a cheeky voice note or a cheeky message to our email address sws at whatawatchtonight.co.uk that's sws at whatawatchtonight.co.uk go ahead we are on anchor fm spotify uh, apple podcasts anywhere in the galaxy you can find a podcast we are there and if you love the show please leave us a, a good review on the podcast provider of your choice it it makes us feel very good and it also gets more people uh give them knowledge of the show so uh, it really does help us an awful lot yeah do it do it um, and please tell all of your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your mates, tell your cats, tell your sand people, tell your local Jawas, tell everyone, tell your cousin, tell your Ewok. The more, the merrier, the spicier. Spicier. This is the podcast you're looking for. So until next time, sadly, from me, it's Sia, and from Luke. May the force be with you, but about always. Oh, college. They are Essex-based podcast heroes. Club.